The lady waiting with Brother Buddy was tall and middle-aged, dredged in powder, her hair in a tight bun. Her face was stark white. There were touches of yellow in the gray hair and in the eyes and teeth. What struck Francis, what he would always remember, she smiled with pleasure when she saw his face. That had never happened before. No one would ever do it again. This is your grandmother, Brother Buddy said. Hello, she said. Brother Buddy wiped his own mouth with a long hand. Say hello, go ahead. Francis had learned to say some things by occluding his nostrils with his upper lip, but he did not have much occasion for hello. Low was the best he could do. Grandmother seemed even more pleased with him. Can you say grandmother? Try to say grandmother, Brother Buddy sighed. The plosive G defeated him. Francis strangled easily on tears. Never mind, his grandmother said. I'll just bet you can say your name. I just know a big boy like you can say his name. Say it for me. The child's face brightened. The big boys had helped him with this. He wanted to please. He collected himself. Cunt face, he said. Three days later, Grandmother Dollarhide called for Francis at the orphanage and took him home with her. She began at once to help him with his speech. They concentrated on a single word. It was mother. At Grandmother's house, Francis Dollarhide's new world was a forest of blue-veined legs. Grandmother Dollarhide had been running her nursing home for three years when he came to live with her. Money had been a problem since her husband's death in 1936. She had been brought up a lady, and she had no marketable skills. What she had was a big house and her late husband's debts. Taking in boarders was out. The place was too isolated to be a successful boarding house. December 1943. Francis Dollarhide, five years old lay in bed in his upstairs room in Grandmother's house. The room was pitch dark with its blackout curtains against the Japanese. He could not say Japanese. He needed to pee. He was afraid to get up in the dark. He called to his grandmother in bed downstairs. Hey, Ma? Hey, Ma? He sounded like an infant goat. He called until he was tired. Please, hey, Ma? It got away from him then, hot on his legs and under his seat and then cold, his nightdress sticking to him. He didn't know what to do. He took a deep breath and rolled over to face the door. Nothing happened to him. He put his foot on the floor. He stood up in the dark, nightdress plastered to his legs, face burning. He ran for the door. The doorknob caught him over the eye and he sat down in wetness, jumped up and ran down the stairs, fingers squealing on the banister, to his grandmother's room crawling across her in the dark and under the covers, warm against her now. Grandmother stirred, tensed, her back hardened against his cheek, voice hissing. I've never seen a clatter on the bedside table as she found her teeth, clack it as she put them in. I've never seen a child as disgusting and dirty as you. Get out, get out of this bed. She turned on the bedside lamp. He stood on the carpet shivering. She wiped her thumb across his eyebrow. Her thumb came away bloody. Did you break something? 
He shook his head so fast droplets of blood fell on Grandmother's nightgown. Upstairs, go on. The dark came down over him as he climbed the stairs. He couldn't turn on the lights because Grandmother had cut the cords off so short only she could reach them. He did not want to get back in the wet bed. He stood in the dark holding onto the footboard for a long time. He thought she wasn't coming. The blackest corners in the room knew she wasn't coming. She came, snatching the short cord on the ceiling light, her arms full of sheets. She did not speak to him as she changed the bed. She gripped his upper arm and pulled him down the hall to the bathroom. The light was over the mirror, and she had to stand on tiptoe to reach it. She gave him a washcloth, wet and cold. Take off your nightshirt and wipe yourself off. Smell of adhesive tape and the bright sewing scissors clicking. She snipped out a butterfly of tape, stood him on the toilet lid and closed the cut over his eye. Now, she said. She held the sewing scissors under his round belly and he felt cold down there. Look, she said. She grabbed the back of his head and bent him over to see his little penis lying across the bottom blade of the open scissors. She closed the scissors until they began to pinch him. Do you want me to cut it off? He tried to look up at her, but she gripped his head. He sobbed and spit fell on his stomach. Do you? No, Emma. No, Emma. I pledge you my word. If you ever make your bed dirty again, I'll cut it off. Do you understand? Yes, Emma. You can find the toilet in the dark and you can sit on it like a good boy. You don't have to stand up. Now go back to bed. At 2 a.m. the wind rose, gusting warm out of the southeast, clacking together the branches of the dead apple trees, rustling the leaves of the live ones. The wind drove warm rain against the side of the house where Francis Dollarhide, 42 years old, lay sleeping. He lay on his side, sucking his thumb, his hair damp and flat on his forehead and his neck. Now he awakes. He listens to his breathing in the dark and the tiny clicks of his blinking eyes. His fingers smell faintly of gasoline. His bladder is full. He feels on the bedside table for the glass containing his teeth. Dollarhide always puts in his teeth before he rises. Now he walks to the bathroom. He does not turn on the light. He finds the toilet in the dark and sits down on it like a good boy. Will Graham sat Crawford down at a picnic table between the house and the ocean and gave him a glass of iced tea. Jack Crawford looked at the pleasant old house, salt-silvered wood in the clear light. I should have caught you in Marathon when you got off work, he said. You don't want to talk about it here. I don't want to talk about it anywhere, Jack. You've got to talk about it, so let's have it. Just don't get out any pictures. If you brought pictures, leave them in the briefcase. Molly and Willie will be back soon. How much do you know? What was in the Miami Herald and the Times, Graham said. Two families killed in their houses a month apart, Birmingham and Atlanta. The circumstances were similar. Not similar, the same. How many confessions so far? Eighty-six when I called in this afternoon, Crawford said. Cranks. None of them knew details. He smashes the mirrors and uses the pieces. None of them knew that. What else did you keep out of the papers? He's blind, right-handed, and really strong. Wears a size 11 shoe. He can tie a bowling. 
The prints are all smooth gloves. He said that in public. He's not too comfortable with locks, Crawford said. Used a glass cutter and a suction cup to get in the house last time. Oh, and his blood's A-B positive. Somebody hurt him? Not that we know of. We type him from semen and saliva. He's a secretor. Crawford looked out at the flat sea. Will, I want to ask you something. Did you ever think about giving me a call? No. Why not? You have the people you need, Jack. I don't think I'd be an improvement. I came down here to get away from that. I know it. You got hurt last time. It's not getting cut. I just decided to stop. Crawford dipped into his jacket pocket with two fingers. He flipped two photographs across the table face up. All dead, he said. Graham stared at him for a moment before picking up the pictures. They were only snapshots. A woman, followed by three children, carried picnic items up the bank of a pond. A family stood behind a cake. After half a minute, he put the photographs down again. He looked far down the beach where the boy hunkered, examining something in the sand. The woman stood watching, hand on her hip, spent waves creaming around her ankles. She leaned inland to swing her wet hair off her shoulders. "'You've got a nice life here, Will, Molly and the boy. "'How old is he?' Eleven. "'Good-looking kid. "'He's going to be taller than you.' "'Graham nodded. "'His father was. "'I'm lucky here. I know that. "'Will, this freak seems to be in phase with the moon. "'He killed the Jacobis in Birmingham on Saturday night, "'June 28th, full moon. "'He killed the Leeds family in Atlanta night before last, "'July 26th. "'That's one day short of a lunar month. So if we're lucky, we may have...